Welcome to Cyclopod, showcasing work by early career geoscientists that is of interest to the cyclostatigraphic community. This podcast is made possible thanks to financial support of the International Subcommission on Timescale Calibration. Hi there! Welcome to the 12th episode of Cyclopod. This week, our guest is Udara Amaratunga from the Australian National University in Canberra. Udara, we're recording this podcast episode not over Zoom, not over Skype, but in person. And that's the first since the start of Cyclopod, and it makes me really happy. We're sitting next to each other in Bergen, Norway, where the paleoceanographic community gathered for the 14th International Conference on Paleoceanography. How is your conference going so far? Hi, David. First, thanks a lot for inviting me to this episode. And yes, Bergen is a really beautiful city and I've fallen in love, in love with the city. And the conference has been a great opportunity for me to meet a lot of people that I've only known through their work. And yes, as a final year PhD student, it's been an important opportunity for me to connect with the worldwide paleoceanographic community. I'm glad that I made it here. Yeah, and I'm glad that you can present your very important work that uh, you recently published in uh, Nature Geoscience. And that is also the reason why we invited you here uh, to Cyclopod. That work I'm referring to, that deals with the flooding of the Mediterranean some 5.3 million years ago. First of all, many congratulations. It's, it's a very well-written paper that has beautiful figures illustrating the bathymetry and the processes that you are referring to in the manuscript. Thank you. So before we tip our toes into the Mediterranean, Udara, I have a somewhat silly question for you. You are originally from Sri Lanka, and so a narrow-minded person might expect you to work on the Asian monsoon or the Indian Ocean paleoceanography, but you're not doing that. You're not doing the obvious thing, and I think that's awesome. What is it that fascinates you about the Mediterranean and the Myopliocene catastrophic environmental changes that you are studying? Yes, David, you are correct. I spent my whole childhood in Sri Lanka and then I did my bachelor's degree in geology there. But rather than pure geology, I've always been fascinated about the ocean and climate sciences. Unfortunately, there is not enough opportunities for us to pursue a career in these fields of research in Sri Lanka. So that's when I started uh, to find an opportunity elsewhere and I was lucky enough to find a position a project that very well suited my research interests. So at ANU in Canberra, at the Climate and Ocean Geosciences Group, um, my project looks at the oceanographic evolution of the Mediterranean and the North African climate from the beginning of the Pliocene to the present. Um, yes, the Mediterranean fascinates not just me, but a broad community of paleoceanographers. Um, so it fascinates me in three ways. First, uh, the basin is located in the transition zone between the subtropical uh, uh, dry zone and also the temperate westerlies of the southern Europe. And second, the Mediterranean is connected to the global ocean at a very narrow point at Strait of Gibraltar and it makes the basin a place to study the global ice volume variations. And thirdly, the Mediterranean Basin very well records the past landscape changes in Northern Africa. So in those three ways, the Mediterranean fascinates me. It's also fascinating in the past. And I already mentioned the flooding 
of the Mediterranean 5.3 million years ago. So prior to the flooding, the Mediterranean was largely desiccated and we observe huge evaporitic deposits all around the Mediterranean when we look into the geological archives from that time. And that's what people call the Messinian salinity crisis. And then in a very short amount of time, the Mediterranean was filled up by water again. That's the so-called Zanklian flood. Can you give us a little bit more detail on how the Earth looked like back then? Yes, the world in general over 5 million years ago was way warmer than it is present. And we did not actually have um, large northern hemispheric ice sheets as we have today. Um, compared to the present, the sea level was some 20 meters higher and the tectonic configuration was almost similar to present. However, towards the late Miocene, the tectonic shifts at the Strait of Gibraltar resulted in the closure of the Atlantic Mediterranean Gateway. And we know that the Mediterranean Basin has a high rate of evaporation compared to the uh, runoff and precipitation. So this results in the drawdown of the basin as the inflow of Atlantic water is restricted. And by some 5.6 million years ago, the Mediterranean reached the peak of its salinity crisis. And it's believed that by this time, the Western Basin reached its drawdown to about 1.5 kilometers and the Eastern Basin reached some 2 kilometers. And this is a huge drawdown. So people have been arguing about the termination of the salinity crisis. Um, some people say that the termination at 5.3 million years was a catastrophic flood that resulted from the collapse of the Gibraltar Sill. And some people say that the Mediterranean was never desiccated actually. So the drawdown was very low and the Atlantic reconnection was a very, very slow process. So we actually still don't have a complete answer to how the Mediterranean was reconnected to the, to the Atlantic. But what we can now do is to study the available records to find an answer. To answer the questions you, you just brought up, you are presenting numerical modeling results. And those results, they suggest that it basically took one year to fill up the Western Mediterranean. And once that was filled up, it took another year to fill up the Eastern Mediterranean. So the entire Mediterranean Sea filled up with uh, up to two kilometers of water in a matter of two years. And it did that by means of two waterfalls, uh, one waterfall related to the Gibraltar Strait and another waterfall um, at Sicily, uh, filling up the eastern Mediterranean. So tell us a little bit more. How did you do those calculations? That sounds difficult. Uh, this idea of a mega flood was first properly modeled by Daniel Garcia Castellanos, and he presented his results uh, in a paper in Nature in 2009. So uh, it's termed the catastrophic flooding of the Mediterranean, the Zanglian mega flood. So the new numerical model uses uh, the erosion of the seal of Gibraltar. And the idea came up, up from uh, seismic data uh, that was take, taken beneath the Strait of Gibraltar. So in the seismic data, uh, what they found was a huge eros uh, erosive canal across the seal. And this channel is about 300 kilometers in length and about 14 kilometers wide and 200 meters deep. So in the numerical model, what they did was take an uneroded seal and erode the seal to its present dimensions. So as the seal is eroded, water flows into the basin 
and this is a 1.7 kilometer flow and it's twice as high as the Angel Falls and imagine how huge it would have been. So as the Western Basin is filled, it reaches the Sicily Seal and when the Sicily Seal is reached, water started flowing into the Eastern Mediterranean and the drop is even larger than that of the Western Basin and then the Eastern Basin fills up. Yeah, and until the publication of your paper, most people agreed with that model, but they would have assumed that with this super fast flooding of the Mediterranean, normal marine conditions were restored almost overnight, like instantaneously. But your paper challenges that idea, right? Yes. So uh, the idea of the Messinian sanity crisis came up five to six decades ago as the people started drilling the Mediterranean. And uh, during these drilling projects, what they found was a very sharp contact at the Miocene-Pliocene boundary. So this big lithologic change made them to uh, depict that the transition from the Messinian sanity crisis towards the Pliocene was an abrupt transition towards normal marine conditions in the Mediterranean. But the evidence we found disproves this idea. Yeah, indeed. You, you're saying that in the Western Mediterranean you had normal marine conditions overnight, instantaneously, but it took several thousands years to make the Eastern Mediterranean like a normal marine basin and in that time between those several thousand years you basically had a saline soup, a hypersaline environment. And uh, one of the lines of evidence that you used to, to reconstruct that hypersaline environment in the eastern Mediterranean is the so-called mystery sapropel, is that correct? Absolutely. So can you explain what makes the mystery sapropel different from normal sapropels? Yes, so first I'll explain briefly what a normal sapropel is. A sapropel is a layer rich in organic matter in the sediment record compared to its surrounding sediments. So, uh, at present we know that the Mediterranean is very well ventilated due to its uh, active overturning circulation. Uh, because of the well oxygenated water columns, uh, all the organic matter produced in the euphotic zone, it gets oxidized before it reaches the basin bottom. So we have mild deposition at the present in the Mediterranean. However, there were past periods of rich organic matter deposition in the Mediterranean basin, which we call as sapropels. So sapropels were formed during the periods of uh, northern hemispheric insulation maximum. So the insulation maximum results in the penetration of African monsoon uh, towards North Africa and this delivered, delivered excess amounts of runoff to the, east, uh, to the Mediterranean basin. So we know that uh, the density of the freshwater is less compared to the seawater. This less dense water curtailed the deep water formation and it restricted bottom water ventilation during insulation maximum. As a result, uh, the organic matter that was sinking to the deep basin uh, was preserved uh, resulting in the formation of sapropels. So, we we obviously have a sapropel at the Mycin-Pycin boundary in the eastern Mediterranean and this actually was uh, discovered uh, during the 1970s uh, when they drilled the eastern basin. They found a sapropel layer deprived of benthic foraminifera. 
So they could not actually give an explanation to this sepropel, so they named this sepropel the mystery sepropel. So then we use uh, our chronology to look at uh, how long this sepropel took uh, to be deposited. And what we find is this specific sepropel took uh, more than 20,000 years to be deposited. So first it deposits through the earliest Pliocene insulation maxima and then it runs through the insulation minimum as well. So this is the only neogene sepropel that was deposited during an insulation minimum. And also it ran across to the, towards the next insulation maxima as well. So it was completed deposition within a period of 26,000 years. So that's what we found. Yeah, and, and with a duration of 26,000 years, it is at least three times longer than the amount of time that is represented by a normal uh, sapropel. So what is it that caused this long duration? What caused the mystery sapropel to last for so long? Yeah, so when Daniel did his modeling back in 2009, uh, he looked at what actually happened at the Seal of Gibraltar. He tried to erode the uh, erosive canal and tried to fill the basin and to see how long it would take for the basin to be filled. So what we did was we actually looked at the energy dynamics within the basin. So what we used the uh, energy of the flow to compute uh, how the uh, basin will behave as the waterfall fills the Mediterranean. So we find that the flow is so energetic that it could uh, mix with the Messinian brines of the basin. So during the Messinian salinity crisis, the basin was filled with about two kilometers thick brine, brine bodies. And these brines were uh, at least of gypsum saturation, which should have been very, very dense. So uh, the release of energy at the peak of the flooding event, we find that in a single day, it was more than 500 times the annual dissipation of energy at the Niagara Falls, which is a huge amount of energy. So this energy could mix those dense brines with the incoming Atlantic waters. And as the western basin filled towards the uh, Sicily Sill, the basin was fully mixed with these less saline brines. And then as the eastern basin was filled up, all the salt in the western basin was transferred into the eastern basin. So finally, we end up with a normal basin in the western Mediterranean, whereas the eastern basin is filled up with the Messinian salts. So that made, that made the eastern basin to be stratified at the Sicily Seal level, according to our model. Yeah, and long stratification or 26,000 years of stratification means 26,000 years of sapropel-like deposition, and that is what you neatly illustrate in, in your paper. Yes, so now we know that Mediterranean has normal marine conditions, so all the salt that was in the eastern basin must have been transported to the Atlantic basin, and this happened by turbulent diffusion. So we use basic physical, physical oceanographic ideas to compute how long it would take to remove all the salt to the Atlantic. What we find is it would have taken from 10,000 to 40,000 years to remove all the salt back to the Atlantic. So this agrees very well with our chronology, which tells that the mystery sapropel is should have been about 26,000 years of deposition of organic matter.
Now it's time for the number of the month. And this month the number is 1920. Recently I learned that in the 1920s there was the idea to build a dam on Gibraltar, on the Strait of Gibraltar, to gain land, to dry out the Mediterranean. With your research in mind, why do you think this would have been a terribly, terribly bad idea? Yes, so there was this idea about building a huge dam across the seal of Gibraltar and um, this was called the Atlantropa project. So their idea was to provide electricity to the region and this idea never came a reality and actually the engineer who proposed the project passed away without uh, realizing uh, his um, ideas. So. Uh, in my view, uh, a dam would have drawn down, down the basin by a few hundred of meters and this would have resulted in huge salt pans along the margins of the Mediterranean basin. So we would not have been able to grow any crops in the region and it uh, won't be a suitable place for people to settle. And imagine if the dam were to break, maybe due to a war, um, it would have been catastrophic, killing all the people. So certainly, uh, certainly, I think it uh, it was not a good idea. To end this podcast, Udara, I would like to ask you about another hypothesis that is sometimes cited when we talk about the end of the Messinian salinity crisis. So some people claim that uh, the level of the Mediterranean during the Messinian salinity crisis was not so much lower than uh, we now think it is. They, those people claim it's only a few hundred meters lower than the Atlantic level and not a few thousands as uh, we currently think. And under this scenario, to re-establish the connection between the Atlantic and the Mediterranean Sea, these people think that the water would have come over the Paratetis connection, and so the, the Mediterranean would not have been filling from the, from the Atlantic side, but through the Paratetis uh, connection. And therefore, it would be a much more gradual process. Uh, the, the Mediterranean would fill gradually, and therefore the connection to the Atlantic would be established only later and gradually. Why do you think this hypothesis is no longer viable? Yes, as I uh, stated earlier, um, even after 50 years of research, all these topics are still debated and there's a group of scientists that believe that the Mediterranean base, was, base level was uh, higher than we think. So the question is, we know exactly that uh, during the peak of the Sandy crisis, gypsum and halite was deposited in the deep basin and this must have resulted in thick brine columns according to our view and the question is where did all the salt go after the salinity crisis so if the salts stayed in the western basin as as uh, we interpret as also in the eastern basin the western basin also must have been stratified during a gradual reconnection and we should see a separable deposited at the western basin as well but we don't see that now we only see a separable in the eastern basin that's why we propose that all the salt in the western basin was transferred to the uh, eastern basin across the Sicily seal so that's our view of the problem but uh, certainly this is still open to debate thank you Adara for the nice chat and for the very compelling arguments you made 
um, defending the hypothesis that the Mediterranean filled up in a matter of two years after the Gibraltar sill was eroded and about the salt transfer from the Western Mediterranean into the Eastern Mediterranean taking about 26,000 years to re-establish normal marine conditions in the Eastern Mediterranean. Really fascinating results and I think it's really cool that Udara's work spans all the relevant timescales to understand the end of the Messinian salinity crisis. Uh, we, we talked about the two years to reflood the Mediterranean Sea, but also the 26,000 years to restore normal conditions. I, I, I really like work, scientific work that spans this wide range of uh, timescales. Udara, thank you very much for the interview. And at this point, I would also like to thank our audience for listening to this 12th episode of Cyclopod. See you next time.